from the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Welcome to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. We're honored that you're joining us today, especially our listeners in Europe, since they changed their clocks this weekend. And remember, the show is now one hour later for them. We're continuing our series on retirement-related topics, and this show is specifically geared to those who feel they're too young to be thinking about retirement. Remember the old adage, if you'd like some shade, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is today. And where I live in the Phoenix area, most people wish we had more trees, especially in parking lots, ideally trees that were planted 20 years ago. There are very few. Our topic will affect everyone who plans to live to retirement age, and hopefully you are one of those, whether you are already retired or not. There are little tidbits in here for you, regardless of your age. And whether you plan to retire at a traditional age, retire early, postpone retirement until you stop enjoying what you do, or already consider yourself retired, the topics will affect you. The topic will also affect you regardless of where you live now or at the time of retirement. The title of our show is simply a question. Ready for retirement? In the past, I've mentioned that uh, listeners and others I talk to, regardless of their age, seem to be concerned that retirement is not what it used to be. Certainly, if you have or you know someone who's receiving a traditional company or pension, uh, government pension, you realize that they are now far fewer than there were years ago. More responsibility for retirement is on our shoulders. Even investors who have accumulated significant assets express a concern that those assets may not be sufficient to cover their costs if they or their spouse live well into their 80s, 90s, or 100s. And chances are very good they will. Since we just celebrated the Easter holiday, we'll make today's show a little more casual than usual. As I mentioned that, it seems particularly strange to me that the Jewish Passover isn't celebrated until next month. Since the Christian Easter celebration is supposed to begin at the end of Passover, I guess coordinating religious calendars is just as difficult as coordinating the day we change our clocks. Anyway, we won't have a guest joining us today in this casual show, so I thought it'd be a good chance for a you and I to just share some ideas about retirement planning. Now, I have no ambitions of making this show a comprehensive review of all aspects of retirement planning. If I did, it'd be a much longer show, and we wouldn't need to invite additional guests to cover topics like Social Security, and specifically the changes taking place, or 1031 exchanges, which we still have planned in this series. Instead, I'll share a number of thought starters, several fundamentals, and welcome your questions and comments. Now, whether you're on the U.S. West Coast or in Arizona where I am and you're sipping a cup of coffee, on the U.S. East Coast and you're getting ready for lunch, you're in Europe just ending your work day, you're somewhere in between or you're listening to the archive of the show, I'm sure you'll be glad you joined us for this hour. On the wealth, wait, oh, let's try that again. On the wealth DNA radio show, we focus on the fundamentals of investing and providing great ideas for building and protecting your wealth. Today is no exception, as we share ideas to prepare you for retirement. And we don't want you to just retire. 
At the time of your retirement, we want you to be truly financially independent or even wealthy for the rest of your life. And for those of you who feel blessed and don't see any risk of running out of money, then I'll remind you about the show we had last month with Danielle Kunkel when we talked about retirement insecurity. If there's anything that could derail our projections of a comfortable life, it's our health, our family's health, and the cost of health care. I like to start each show by sharing a quote to set the tone for show's topic. Today, I have to use a quote from Henry Ford since we alluded to it when we posted the show. Are you ready? Any man who thinks he can be happy and prosperous by letting the government take care of him better take a look, closer look at the American Indian. Let's try that now completely correctly. Any man who thinks he can be happy and prosperous by letting the government take care of them better take a closer look at the American Indian. As I mentioned, the quote is from Henry Ford. The key point related to retirement is that we can't assume that Social Security or other government-run pension plan, or for that matter, government-run health care, will be a major source of our retirement income or cover all of our expenses during retirement. We're far better off having our own assets, our own sources of income, and health care insurance, be it of a... Uh, be it a insurance policy or self-insured, and merely treat those government programs as pleasant surprises. Unfortunately, too many people assume they'll live on those government benefits and don't do sufficient planning. Now, when I started saving for retirement so many decades ago, I saw the projections for Social Security and was convinced it would be bankrupt by now. So I should be able to postpone filing for any Social Security benefits until I'm 70. Waiting longer for, uh, doesn't make any sense under the current laws. Certainly those rules could change just as they did at the end of 2015. I'll touch on those changes very briefly and highly suggest anyone in their 60s join us for the next show in April with Mary Beth Franklin. Today is Monday, March 28, 2016. It's 9.06 a.m. in Arizona and 18.06 in continental Europe. It's the only day I ever like it. We'll do everything possible to make it a great one. You're listening to the Wealthy and Air Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. Of course, the time you listen changes if you change your clocks. If you didn't receive a reminder of the show, you can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook, where we post reminders. Just connect with The Ronald, put together as a single word. We'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix-Scottsdale area, for helping us put together and share this information with you, and for helping many of our listeners have income for life. Now, I certainly hope you can join us each time we air, but if you miss a show, you can find them in the archive. Just go to Wealth. DNA.us, where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archive. But again, I'll remind you, don't miss our next show if you are in your 60s. We welcome your comments and questions during the show, either using the chat window below the radio player, or you can call in and our producer will share your question or comment with us. The call-in number, 317-388-4162. And I've been reminded, I've been remiss, they changed the way the call-in works. When you call in, you'll be able to listen to the show. You need to dial a 1 after you call in in order to get through to our producer. So my apologies, I'll try to mention that more often. 
Again, that number is shown at the top of the screen. Since our last show, the U.S. equity markets are up a little. Today, the U.S. markets are off to what I'd call a flat start. It can't decide whether it's going to go down or up. Asia was mixed with China down and Japan up. Europe, which just closed, was down fairly significantly, and Brazil is up today. Despite my many iterations trying to find a logical starting point for our topic today, I realize there's no ideal sequence, so I'll just share a few general principles and then share some ideas for each age group. And hopefully you know which age group you're in. What is retirement? Let's answer that question first. Clearly, each of us have a different idea of when we retire and what we want to do during retirement. Some people even seem to aspire to become experts in the topic by doing it several times in their life. I think the most I know of anyone is, uh, I think, seven retirements to date. From a financial planning perspective, though, there is a definition. Retirement is the point at which we stop accumulating assets and we start depleting those assets for income. Some planners refer to this as the decumulating phases of your life, but I have no idea if that's a real word or not. Please don't assume that after retirement, your portfolio has to shrink each year. If you've done proper planning and follow the PISS principle, and I will spell that P-I-I-S-S, that PISS principle we'll talk about very shortly. You see, the earnings on your assets just might exceed the amount you withdraw each year, and thus your portfolio will continue to grow. But certainly your assets will not increase as much as they did while you had income from a job or a business you were running. Now, my personal definition of retirement is to work no more than 40 hours per week on what I enjoy doing. So I consider myself semi-retired since I currently work far more than 40 hours per week. But it is work on things I enjoy doing, namely helping people on their path to become a millionaire. And hopefully you're among those. Now, what are some good practices for preparing for this retirement, regardless of your age? And let me list a few of them. I'm sure there are many more. Maintain an attitude of gratitude. And that is important. An attitude of gratitude, being thankful for what you do have and being happy that you have what you have. And as a part of that, share a portion of your income with others who are less fortunate by giving to charities and or volunteering to help those charities. People in retirement tend to have a little more time, and therefore volunteering may be even more valuable to the organization than your money. Don't live beyond your means. This is probably one of the most important and most ignored. If you have a champagne budget and enjoy champagne, then fine. But if you have a beer budget, then forget the champagne, drink beer, or even better, water. Now, many of you know I used to work for Pepsi, and of that, that statement reminded me of my all-time favorite bumper sticker, which is, if you must drink and drive, drink Pepsi. All right, next bit of advice, these are good practices regardless of your age. Don't neglect spending your time with family and friends just to grow your portfolio. From what I hear, there are far fewer people prior to death wishing they would have spent an extra day at work than there are people wishing they would have spent more time with family or friends. Read good books and articles related to financial planning or retirement. Very few of us learn about personal finance or investing in school, and yet financial literacy is one of the life skills all of us need. 
throughout our life. And my last general point, take advantage of the Wealth DNA Radio Show, both current and archived shows. We do this for you to plan for retirement and have a wealthy lifestyle. So before we jump into these suggested preparation steps or things you can do to prepare for retirement for each of our age groups, I should cover two core fundamental principles. The first is the Wealth DNA Framework, the name of our show. Remember, DNA is an acronym for the three key obstacles that stop 95% of people from becoming wealthy. Now, there's no rule that those 95% couldn't be wealthy. These are the obstacles that prevent them. Since we want each of you to be among the million people we help to become millionaires, you certainly need to overcome all three obstacles. The first obstacle and the first letter of DNA is D. That stands for desire. And despite what most people say, at least 50% of the population does not have the true desire to become wealthy. That desire encompasses several other D words, like determination, drive, dedication, and making the decision to do what it takes. The decision to read one of the books on our suggested list as opposed to sitting on the couch and watching TV. Now, I'll remind you, I continue to search, and I've mentioned this at many networking groups as well, I continue to search for at least one person who became a millionaire by watching TV. We'd like to invite him on the show to be our guest and to share how they did it. You see, the decision to put together a spreadsheet for tracking net worth or IGAs, which I'll remind you are income-generating assets at least twice a year, is far more important than watching TV. The determination to stop spending on wants and only spend on needs and those IGAs, income-generating assets. There's a great saying that everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. In the wealth-building arena, that's analogous to having the drive to do now what others are willing are not willing to do. So in the future, when you're financially independent or wealthy, you're able to do what others can't. Incidentally, the fact that you're listening to the show means there's a much higher chance you'll overcome this obstacle than many of your friends. Congratulations. Second obstacle the N in DNA is for knowledge. Now, some people refer to, prefer, and will say, knowledge, but the author of the Wealth DNA Rate Framework has chosen to call it knowledge. Depending, uh, let's, let's go back to that. Expanding your knowledge about saving investing is not a dis, kind of a destination or a place you end up. It's a journey. Even people who have retired and have income for life need to continue to gain knowledge about saving and investing. My best example would be those investors who sold real estate and stocks and bonds in 2006 when everyone else was clamoring to buy more. You see, if you sold in 2006, you're far ahead today since you didn't lose 50% to the downturn. Not only did your investments rise after 2008, you were able to buy additional investments at very low prices. To bring that point home, I learned uh, at our uh, recent uh, Real Estate Investors Association meeting, the average price per square foot, and that's how we tend to measure things in the Phoenix area, has risen 75%. Let me repeat that. The square foot 
acre footage price per Phoenix area home has risen 75% since the bottom of the market in 2011. Now, it was kind of a double bottom in 2009. There was also a bottom that was slightly lower in 2011. So you would have bought properties in Phoenix during 2009 and 10. You still saw returns of 65 to 70%. If Yogi Berra with, were with us today, he might advise buy as many properties as you can five years ago. Now, the third obstacle, and the A in DNA, is for action. Just because you don't know everything about saving and investing that you'd like to know, you still have to take action. See, maybe use the analogy of a baseball player who never strikes out because he never gets up to bat. Still has a zero batting average. Yes, there are risks when you take action. But you take a far bigger risk by not taking action. After you've gained after you've had that action, you've done something, you gain some additional knowledge. Each time you make an investment, with good or bad, you increase your knowledge about what works or what doesn't work. You can't keep hoping that we'll share the ideal investment on the next Wealth DNA radio show. Many of the things we've talked about work and work well. You need a diverse portfolio. Don't wait for that one big investment. Do small ones in a number of different areas. Okay, the second fundamental we absolutely need to cover, especially since I already mentioned it, is the PISS principle, and I'll remind you of the spelling P-I-I-S-S. Since passive income will be your key, to, key source of income during retirement, it's critical to understand this PISS principle. The PISS principle is, in essence, the definition and explanation of passive income. So just jot down the letters with some space between them. Again, P I I S S. And now let me share the formula. And if you would just jot these symbols between those letters, P I equals sign I plus sign S plus sign S. And then jot down what each letter stands for. The first P or the P is for passive. The first I is for income. The second I is for investing. The first S is saving. And the last S, simplification. So the first two letters are for passive income, that key source of income in your future. And the other three define it. So if you want a little passive income, you need to invest and save and simplify a little. What do I mean by simplifying? It's living within your means, buying assets and only what you need, not everything you want. That's so important. Let me repeat that. It's living within your means and buying assets and only what you need, not everything you want. Let me remind our listeners you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. If you miss some prior shows like the ones on Medicare, entrepreneurship, or solo 401ks we've had recently, or if you want to re-listen to them, we maintain an archive of shows on wealthdna.us. If you'd like to get an email reminder of the shows, just send an email to me, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Or you can follow The Ronald, all one word, no spaces, on Twitter or Facebook. Let's thank our sponsor today, B. Isolations Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix-Scottsdale area for helping us put together and share this information with you and for helping many of our listeners, and that includes me, have income for life. 
During the radio show, we welcome you, our listeners, to ask questions, and I will keep an eye on the chat window below the radio player, or you can call in 917-388-4162, and remember to dial a 1 after you get in to get to the producer. That number is also shown at the top of the screen. Our topic is a simple question. Are you ready to retire? So let's talk about some good practices for each age group. We'll start with our listeners in their teens. Yes, it's a great time to start planning your retirement. So for you and your teens, first and foremost, congratulations for tuning into the Wealth DNA Radio Show and developing your financial literacy. When you talk to people much older than you and mention that you're starting to plan your retirement in your teens, you'll undoubtedly hear their regrets that they weren't smart enough to do that. Get a good education. Focus on your grades, not just on sports and the opposite sex. Whether it's logical, fair or not, colleges, universities, and future employers will pick the candidates with good grades. Fact. You may not like it, but it's a fact. Consider career and educational paths other than the traditional academic degrees. Now, I'm specifically referring to the trades, and I think we've mentioned this on the past uh, on the show in the past, like nurses, electricians, plumbers, welders, mechanics, or computer programmers. Many of these, of course, require certifications or other specialized training. But even if you first get an academic degree, you'll still have to go through those courses or certifications. I believe we've reached the point, at least in the U.S. and most of Europe, where there are more graduates from academic programs than there are jobs for them. On the other hand, we have a growing shortage of people with real skills, not just degrees. I'll even go out on a limb and blame many parents for focusing on their own ego rather than what's best for their kids. Their kids' job security and earning potential. For some reason, parents prefer to brag that their kids finished college, even if they're unemployed. To many of those parents, that's far better than saying their kids have real skills, are fully employed, and earn $100,000 a year. The next practice I would suggest for our teens is to read some good books, such as The Richest Man in Babylon, a great starting point, probably one that I wish I would have known about much earlier, A Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which are great books to get you started down the right path. Incidentally, when you talk to seniors, they'll also share their regret for not starting their retirement planning earlier. And secondly, they'll regret not learning about personal finance investing. You can't rely solely on teachers and parents who generally have very little knowledge about investing. may actually be downright broke. Develop a habit of saving money, another one of these key points I'd mention. An absolute minimum of 10% of what you earn. See, generally in your teens, you have other sources of support often called parents. So if you can't save 10% now, it's very unlikely you ever will. And remember, savings was a very key component of the PISS principle. Develop a habit of charitable giving. Don't focus on the amount, but on the impact you have on others. In many cases, giving your time will be even more valuable, and despite what you think, that you're so busy, you now have far more available time than you will until retirement. Incidentally, volunteering is not only a great way to to make your resume or CV stand out, it might actually lead to meeting the right person who gets you kick-started 
in your career. Set up a Roth IRA and contribute most or all of your earned income into that Roth. You'll likely be able to use those funds if needed for education or even buying a home, although they don't negatively affect your ability to get financial aid as much as money in other accounts. Don't be overly conservative in your investments. You don't need fixed income and guarantees at this stage of your life. Now, let's jump to our listeners in your 20s. Again, congratulations for tuning into the Wealth DNA Radio Show and developing your financial literacy. If you were still in school, or you are still in school, then look for opportunities for part-time work, even slightly related to your career, and consider volunteering. School, after all, is not a destination. It's not your main purpose while you're there. It's merely a stepping stone into life and a career. Work experience will likely count more than the number of extra collective courses you took. I was very fortunate to be selected for a co-op program where I worked some semesters and then went to school in other semesters. Based on that experience, if you have such an opportunity, don't debate it. As Nike might say, just do it. The next practical suggestion I'd have for you is apply for several credit cards and use them for many of your purchases, but very, very importantly, make sure you pay off the entire balance each month. See, exercising credit cards this way builds your credit, makes more available to you. They'll gradually raise your credit limit. You'll get more offers. You'll get 0% offers. We've talked about those, and they're great. Using credit cards and paying just the minimum monthly payment is a spiral into bankruptcy. Save money in a Roth IRA or Roth 401k, your tax rates while you're in your 20s are relatively low. They're probably 15% or 20%, maybe even zero, since you're just getting started. Now, many experts will contradict this, and they'll tell you that you should use a deferred account like traditional IRAs or 401ks, since your tax rate will be lower when you retire. But keep in mind, most Wealth DNA Radio listeners have tax rates that continue to rise as they get older. In addition to their earned income, they'll have earnings from a substantial portfolio. And later, they'll have pension income, taxes, taxable required withdrawals, raising their tax rate, which we'll talk about later in the show. My next suggestion, buy a home if possible. It definitely makes sense. You have a relatively steady job, and it's unlikely you'll be moving out of the area in the next two to three years. Interest rates will never be lower. You can quote me on that. And if a bank will approve a mortgage for you again, just do it. It's cheap money and protects you from inflation. That is a topic for another show. Read some good books. Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Wayne Dyer's Excuses Be Gone. The Millionaire Next Door. And don't be afraid to reread some of the good financial books you read earlier. At each age, you'll pick up more insights each time you read them. And by the way, if you're wondering about excuses, be gone. Well, how about the excuse of, I don't have time at this point in my career. That excuse will be gone. All right, how about our listeners in their 30s? Well, save money in a traditional IRA or 401k in years when your tax rate is 25% or higher and save money in a Roth when it's lower. By now, you should be an avid Saver and investor, if you haven't already done so, you need to set up a spreadsheet for tracking your portfolio growth. 
We've done a show now, a show on managing what you measure, where I shared a number of tips. I suggest renewing the data at least twice a year, or I should say updating the data, and set up formulas to see how your growth rate has looked over the last two years, and use a benchmark to compare to which might be a portfolio of 80% in stocks or 20% in bonds, or maybe even keep it simple and use 100% stock and see how you're doing. Based on that growth rate, project the data, the date, excuse me, when you'll be a millionaire. It's easy to do. Wherever you are today, plus that growth rate, you'll be able to find a point in time when you're a millionaire. Now, if that date seems too far in the future, you may step up your savings or be less conservative in your investing. Incidentally, you might think this tracking spreadsheet is not needed if you outsource your money management. Let me say this very clearly so there's absolutely no confusion. Tracking the historical performance against a benchmark is more important when someone else is managing your money. How important? I'm going to repeat it again. Tracking the historical performance against a benchmark is more important when someone else is managing your money. How else would you know that they're earning more in commissions than you're earning? How else would you know whether the claims they made during the sales process were overblown? How else would you know whether you'd be better off investing several diversified investment funds? My next suggestion for you, continue to read some good books. And I would add Napoleon Hill's Keys to Success. Wayne Dyer's I Can See Clearly. I Can See Clearly Now. T. Harv Eckert's Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and Thomas Stanley's Millionaire Mind. And again, very similar sounding books, uh, both very excellent, excellent books, highly recommended, slightly different titles, different authors. T. Harv Eckert's Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, and Thomas Stanley's Millionaire Mind. We've tried to get some of these guests on, so far no success, but we'll keep trying. If you don't already own a home, what are you waiting for? Even if you don't qualify for a bank loan, there are companies like our sponsor company, BI Solutions Corp., that help people in that situation own a home. Their motto, solutions for home buyers to own, even if they can't get a bank loan. Focus on your career and family. They determine your future and your happiness during retirement. All right, let's move on to our listeners in your 40s. If you followed the advice I shared for younger folks, then by now you're probably earning enough that you'll want to maximize your contributions to tax-deferred plans. You might want to take advantage of Clint Kuhn's offer for a free consultation about solo 401ks or other retirement plans you may be able to set up to contribute even more. I still remember the $53,000 that can be contributed to a solo 401k. And if you're dreaming of being able to, to contribute that much so that you can reduce your taxable income, take advantage of it. Next, I'd suggest your portfolio is probably also generating significant income. So make sure you take the time to manage that portfolio at least quarterly and continue to track its growth. It sure is helpful to know how much your portfolio income is compared to your earned income since someday you'll be relying on that portfolio income alone. Now, if you don't know how much your income, uh, the income is from your portfolio, then you need to set up that spreadsheet to track performance. Remember my adage, you can't manage what you can't measure. Unfortunately, or excuse me, let's try, let's switch that completely. Fortunately, 
I followed my own advice and realized that at age 45, my portfolio generated sufficient income that I could leave corporate America and start my own investing business. I don't recommend that for everyone, but if you don't do the analysis, you'll never know what's possible. If none of the above seems to fit you and you're in your 40s, let's say the amount you pay in taxes is not significant, you haven't accumulated much of a portfolio, then unfortunately you're closer to the average person than most wealthy listeners. You might want to go back and follow the advice I shared for folks in their teens and 20s. If you don't get serious about saving, investing, and simplification now, you may be facing the exact situation when you're in your 60s. But in your 60s, it'll be much harder to come up with a contingency plan. And if this doesn't worry you, reread the quote I shared from Henry Ford. Now, this may be a good point to dig in deeper into that last S in the PISS principle, the concept of simplification. You see, the vast majority of people who are in the category I just talked about, where their earnings barely keep up with their expenses, and yet, worse yet, is their debt levels are high and they incur high interest rates. In my experience, these same folks have to park their car in the driveway since their garage is full of stuff. Stuff that seemed like it would bring happiness at the time of purchase. And all it's done is held them back from becoming financially independent and is now taking up valuable space in the garage. That space could house the car or be turned into a revenue-generating workshop or even an office. Simplification is important throughout our life, but it's easier to recognize the lack of simplification the older we get. We have so much stuff that if we have a fire at our home, as I did at my office and part of my home, it would be impossible to catalog what we lost. Admittedly, I've never been one to buy a lot of toys or things that I want, but after that fire, I really understood this concept of simplification. My wife and I packed up six boxes of belongings after that fire, including, by the way, wine and alcohol that the storage company could not take. With just the contents of six boxes, my wife and I would need to manage for the next four or more months. As that four months turned into eight months, we did have to go to the cleaners who had cleaned and stored our things to pick up some winter clothes. And, of course, we had to buy some of the electronics that were destroyed and a few tables we could use as temporary desk. Despite being a very challenging time, I look back and realize how little we really needed. All that stuff, that that container or truckload of stuff that later arrived, how simplifying can free up time for spending time with family and friends. So my advice to stop buying things you don't need and focus on buying the things you need and IGAs, income-generating assets, such as real estate, stocks, bonds, and mortgage notes. Do you really need to buy skis and ski boots for that once-in-a-year trip? Maybe renting would be more cost-effective. Do you really need a fourth or third vehicle? What if you tried to manage with just one vehicle and manage and kind of coordinate your calendars and the family to do things together? Not only would it save money and space, you'll have reasons to talk to other family members about their plans for the next day. Maybe driving kids to the game will take away another excuse for not being able to attend. 
And it's hard for anyone to hold you up with some trivial issue when you say that your carpool is leaving at 5.30, which, of course, brings up carpooling with neighbors. Right a, what a great way to develop true friendships while saving time using the HOV lane. All right, let's switch to our listeners in their 50s. Keep up the good habits we talked about earlier, and if you've worked for, uh, and if they've worked for you up to this point, retirement should be great. It's time to do some preliminary calculations on when you'll want to retire. Get to know your pension plan options and, folk, and factor in longevity, spouse's age, and your investments in IRAs. It's a great topic to discuss with your spouse to make sure they're not they're on the same page with you. There's nothing worse than surprising your spouse by coming home to announce that you're retiring next month when they had totally different plans. Develop a spreadsheet that helps you decide how much you'd collect in benefits if you filed for benefits at the earliest possible age. And for Social Security, of course, that's 62 today. You retired at the official full retirement age, probably 67 for most of you, or at the last age break, which is currently 70. After that, it doesn't make sense to not take benefits. And maybe you'd even try a case somewhere in between a few of those ages, maybe 64 or something like that, because the the amount you collect is different. You're probably now in your peak earning years, so you want to take full advantages of contributions to your tax-deferred accounts. But if you have a year or two when your earnings are lower, maybe to losing a job, and that happened to many during a recession, or starting a new business, use that opportunity to convert some of your tax-deferred money, the traditional IRA, into Roth accounts. Yes, it will be taxable income, and we've talked about this in the show many times, but the best time to have taxable income is when your tax rate is low. And if you're starting a business, then that artificial income from those conversions will actually make you look more attractive to banks when you need loans. Now back to that preliminary pension calculation. When you start start drawing pension benefits, it will increase your tax rate. And any additional income due to conversions will further increase your tax rates since you'll be paying taxes on a higher percentage of your pension income. So delaying that filing gives you more time to convert more of your traditional IRAs or 401ks to a Roth. And factor into your plan that over the age of 70 and a half today's rules, you'll be required to withdraw from traditional IRAs and 401ks, which again will increase your tax rate. Hopefully you start to see the benefits of planning for retirement long before you retire. Before we continue, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to the Wealthy Net Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion on the archive, or if you missed prior shows, you can find them on the archive, wealthdna.us. We're asking you if you're ready to retire. Let's thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, for helping us put together and share this information with you and for helping many of our listeners have income for life. Now, if you just tuned in, you want to go to the back, to the beginning of the show, soon after we finish, the same link that you used to get here will take you to that, um, that archive. Our producers make it pretty easy for you. All right, we've covered some of the earlier age groups. Now let's focus on you if you're in your 60s. 
And here I'll remind you, first and foremost, number one on your list will be make sure you tune in to our next show with Mary Beth Franklin to make sure you take full advantage of the expiring Social Security options by April 30th. April 30th is coming very quickly. Even, even if they don't affect you, you'll want to share the information with your friends who may be affected. You know the ones, the ones who have no desire to become wealthy and assume your financial success is just plain luck. Up until the end of 2015, it was possible to file at full retirement age and suspend taking your benefits. This allowed you to have your benefits continue to grow until you turn 70 or at some point in time along the way and enabled a spouse to get 50% of your benefit or you to take advantage of 50% of your spouse's benefit. That provision is about to be eliminated. It's in the law on April 30th. It's gone forever. Mary Beth will share all of the details, but if you or your spouse will reach full retirement age by the end of April and not already drawing benefits, then immediately make an appointment to meet with a representative of the Social Security office and you'll find out what you need to talk to them during the next show. And by the way, the reason I say immediately, well before the next show, is there will be several million people with the same idea. The lines will be long. There are even some financial advisors claiming they can help you make an additional $64,000 by acting quickly. Those claims, by the way, are pretty exaggerated, but if you're one of those rare individuals still eligible, just do it. Make that appointment. If you're at least 62 and not yet drawing benefits, a second change takes place, restricted filings you could do in the past. Again, we'll cover those in more detail on our next show. And Mary Beth Franklin knows about 3,000 times more about these things than I do. And I'm pretty well versed. Regardless of these changes, when you're in your 60s, you need to fine-tune your plan for when you start drawing your benefits. The same factors we discussed earlier still apply. Longevity, health, your spouse's age, and your investments in traditional IRAs and 401ks since you will eventually have to get that money out of there one way or another. You want to take full advantage of the benefits you're entitled to. Unfortunately, unlike consumer products we find in the grocery store, each of us do not have an expiration date stamped on the bottom of our foot. So we have to rely on family history and our current health to estimate longevity. Fortunately, when we're in our 60s, we have far more information than when we were in our 50s and started to do some of this planning. Now, I don't think it would be productive for us to sit here and argue as to whether it's better to overestimate your longevity and thus risk not taking full advantage of some of the benefits you could have had by filing earlier, or it's better to underestimate it and thus have too little income in our later years when health care expenses and possibly housing, I'm referring, of course, to assisted living or other adult communities, those housing expenses may be the highest. So do your best to estimate it and run several scenarios of shorter and longer time spans. With spreadsheets, this stuff is pretty easy. You might even find some calculators online, but I always find it easier if I just kind of think through the logic of what's important to me and try different variations. It's easy to change the numbers. At this point of your life, you'll want to be working on things you like doing, which might be it's just the ideal time to start your own business. If you haven't already done that, 
We had a great show on entrepreneurship in January that provides a good starting point. And interestingly, the statistics indicate that the majority of businesses, uh, the business startups, are not started by techies in their 20s, but by entrepreneurs in their 50s and 60s. If throughout your life you've been generously sharing some of your income with those in need, you may be able to find a business opportunity as I did where you can help others while making a living in the process. For me, it's the best of both worlds. Why should I volunteer with charities if I can earn a return on my investment helping those in need? In need. Hopefully, I plant a seed with several of you to find such opportunities. And let me share a couple examples in case it's not striking a bell here of what's possible. I support several charities just like that. And if you can't think of an example, let me just share a couple to get you started. How about Goodwill? Its management team earns a decent living while helping create job opportunities for those in need. And they have job centers to help people find jobs. And they also put things back out that others weren't taking advantage of and put them up for sale at very low prices. Or Habitat for Humanity, where the management team earns a decent living while building homes at little or no cost for those in need. Most charities need a dedicated and hardworking management team to accomplish what they do. In other words, helping others while making a living in the process. Again, hopefully some inspiration for some of you in your 60s. There may be a great opportunity out there that works for you and your interests. Now, how about our listeners in their 70s and beyond? You're certainly in the age group that fully understands what I said at the beginning of the show about having an attitude of gratitude. When you were in your 20s, you probably thought people over the age of 50 were really old. Now you know, or at least you probably think, that youth is wasted on the young. The best advice I can share with your age group is to avoid falling into the rut of saying you're too old to learn or accomplish something new. Just think of how much you've learned during your career and your life that others could benefit from. Imagine if they could avoid making the mistakes you made and they had your insights at every fork in the road. How would you share some of that learning? Well, here's an idea. Maybe you could become a score counselor helping startups, entrepreneurs, and growing businesses. You might even get in on the ground floor investment in the next Google, Amazon, or BI Solutions Corp. I had to mention them, of course, as our sponsor. Maybe a weekly or biweekly meeting with other investors to discuss what you're investing in and what you learned on the last Wealth DNA radio show and let them share their knowledge and what they're doing. Or maybe a periodic meeting with colleagues in your former industry or trade group to share your experience and keep gaining knowledge. Who knows what doors that opens for board positions or lucrative consulting assignments besides helping others. Regardless of your portfolio size, this is no time to sit back with only cash. As a saver, you've already lost a lot of asset growth since 2008 when the real estate and stock market have been appreciating and cash investments have earned just a shade over zero. And that measly earning on cash was also taxable. 
Hopefully you implemented a buckets of money strategy much earlier in life, obviously a topic we'll cover on future shows, and you've been able to draw only on the safest buckets during downturns, and you had to you had dramatic appreciation in more aggressive buckets. If so, this might be a great time to readjust your asset with withdrawal percentage and enjoy life while you still can travel, while you still can t- spend time with family and friends. Health is always a risk. Now, this happens to be a segue into uh, the 4% rule, which I certainly need to cover in this show. And it applies, obviously, to folks in their 60s, 70s, and beyond, much more than it does to someone younger. But it's a topic that most people don't fully understand, and there's a lot of recent controversy. Where where did it come about? Academics many years ago took some historical data and tried to compute the percentage or amount of assets that we can withdraw each year to avoid running out of money prior to running out of life. Withdrawing too much each year, we risk running out of money. On the other hand, if we withdraw too little, we don't take full advantage of the opportunities life has for us. Instead, we leave a pile of money to give to our heirs. You know, those folks that um, just keep uh, wondering why we took so long to die, those ungrateful heirs. Hopefully you realize I'm exaggerating about those errors, but we seriously need to ask ourselves whether we need the right financial, if we did the right financial planning to benefit us during our lifetime or to benefit others who might have low wealth DNA and squander that money we should have enjoyed. It's a real question you need to discuss with your spouse and give it some real serious thought. Anyway, back to the 4% rule. The academics found that withdrawing 4% of our assets at the time we retire and then adjusting that amount upward for inflation each year would allow us to still have money left over for later years. Again, there's always uh, lots of lots of different factors, but that was kind of the, the, the number that came out best. Financial advisors now are claiming the 4% rule is far too aggressive. Now let me share their logic. They argue we're living longer, which is true. Our health care costs keep rising as we age, again, true. They also say the returns that were possible on our most conservative cash bucket were historically 3 to 5%, and now that 3 to 5 return might follow three decimal places, which, of course, is true. And let me add something they often forget to mention that we've had a 40-year bull market in bonds, which are typically in our secondary intermediate term bucket, unless interest rates go negative, that bull market will end, or may even have ended. So when you try to sell some of those bonds to cover living expenses, you may only get 90 or 80 or even 50% of the original amount you paid for those bonds. Now, you might wonder why they don't mention this. Well, keep in mind, this is one of the investment products they're trying to convince you to own. And yes, most financial advisors earn a commission and fee on those bonds. Now, personally, when I reach the point of retirement, I plan to use a 6% withdrawal rule, although I probably won't increase that amount each year by the full impact of inflation. Why do I think I can do that? Is it because I don't expect to live long? I'm actually planning to live to 112. 
my father who grew up during both uh, world war uh, world wars and the great depression so therefore had a lot more hardship than i did lived to the age of 99 so clearly my assets will need to be available for a long period of time and yes i realize my health care costs will rise through that time frame part of my rationale is in the pence principle which i've shared I'm an avid investor, a saver, and don't have a need for big fancy homes, new cars, and other stuff. But a key part of the answer is my portfolio includes investments that most people are not even aware of. I currently earn 4.5% on my cash, not 0.0003%. I earn 6.5% on my intermediate bucket. I don't have it in bonds and 8 to 12% on my long-term bucket. So with a 6% withdrawal rate, the interest earnings in my intermediate bucket should be able to refill my cash bucket faster than I can spend it. Yes, I may occasionally take some profits in my long-term bucket, like I am now, and transfer them to my intermediate-term bucket. But in periods of decline and recession, I'm likely to reverse that process and buy more long-term investments. So who's right? Is the 4% rule still good today? Is it too aggressive? Or is it too conservative? 5% or 6% is more appropriate. I recommend most people start with the 4% rule and diversify their investments away from the outdated ideas that most financial advisors suggest, like the allocation to stock should be 100% minus your age. If you use that rule, someone in their 20s would have no more than 80% in stock and 20 or more percent in cash and bonds. Someone in their 80s would have less than 20% in stock, and this would have earned very little on their investments since the Great Recession. And remember, stocks have tripled in value, and real estate is up 75%, or at least in the Phoenix area. It varies around the country. By the way, the mortgage on that real estate has declined slightly, since you're paying part of it down, so your equity may have risen fivefold. Let me say that again. The equity you have in a property you bought back in 2009, 10, or 11 may have risen fivefold. Did your cash and bond portion come close to a 400% growth rate? No need to answer that one. Of course, an insurance salesman will try to convince you that annuities are the ultimate answer for you and everybody else. Even though you'll likely be receiving an annuity type of income from that pension plan, whether it's Social Security or other, they seem to want you to have multiple annuity plans. There's a much larger universe of financial instruments available to you than 50 years ago, and you get to hear about them right here on the Wealth DNA Radio Show. You see, you need to keep learning, keep investing, keep saving, and keep simplifying and you'll be financially independent or wealthy during retirement. Now, one of the best things you can do to minimize the risk of running out of money during your retirement is to tune into the Wealthy and Air Radio Show every second and fourth Monday of the month. And remember that same DNA framework we talked about on the show for building your wealth applies to improving your health. Those same three obstacles that prevent the majority of people becoming wealthy are the same obstacles that prevent many from improving their health. 
Regular listeners know that our objective is to share the fundamentals of investing, provide great ideas for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to help you and a million other people become millionaires. Today's show is a good example. As I've already mentioned, Mary Beth Franklin will be joining us for our next show. She's one of the top experts on Social Security and the type of person employees of Social Security might contact with difficult questions. If you have a specific situation you'd like help with, send it to me in advance or at least ask during the show. I certainly hope Henry Ford's quote helps you understand why I suggest not relying on Social Security or other government programs. Here it is. Any man who thinks he can be happy and prosperous by letting the government take care of him better take a closer look at the American Indian. Now, if you missed part of today's show or you want to recommend it to some friends, the link in the announcement will take you to the archive version. And, of course, you'll always find the full list of past shows there, wealthdna.us. I'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area, for helping us put together this show. The next Wealth DNA radio show will be this second Monday of April, Monday, April 11th, 9 a.m. Arizona time, same place, same time, unless you happen to change your clocks. In the meantime, we'll be talking about a very timely aspect of retirement, Social Security changes that affect people in their 60s and younger. So don't rely on those misleading claims I mentioned earlier. Get to know the real truth on the Wealth DNA radio show. The full lineup of guests and topics is on WealthDNA.us. You'll find the archive of past shows there, too. If you have some comments or questions about this show or others, if you haven't received my emails reminding you about this show, just send an email to Ron at WealthDNA.us or follow The Ronald, all one word, on Facebook or Twitter. Twitter will keep you posted about future shows and events. Happy investing and getting ready to retire. Wealthy, of course. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started.